Welcome to Beyond the Resumes, a career and professional development platform designed for you, the modern global professional. My name is Jerry Wan, and I invite you to join me every day as we learn from leaders from various industries representing the entire world. They'll share with us both their worst and best advice and a book that inspires them daily. Be sure to join our newsletter at beyondtheresumes.com, follow us on social media at Beyond the Resumes, and share this with a friend, classmate, or colleague. Thank you so much for tuning in, and here now is today's guest. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Resumes. Wherever you are, whenever you may be listening to us, we wish you health, happiness, and safety. And today we get to talk to one of my very good friends who is in the creative field. And um, there's a lot of you probably out there who might be pressured or might be thinking that you have to pick a very traditional business or science or engineering-based uh, career first and then pivot to something creative. And I also want to focus and you know highlight people who've just gone down that path and to let you know and to highlight their stories and to learn from them some of the lessons that they have learned and continue to learn. So uh, my distinct pleasure to welcome David Maria to the show. Hey, David. Hey, Jerry. How you doing? Good, man. Uh, you are in the movie business. You write, you produce, and now you are getting into different sorts of media. And, and tell us a little bit more about you and the projects that you're working on. Sure. Uh, so I grew up in Southern California, right outside of LA. I went to school in UC Riverside for film production and screenwriting. Uh, after that, right after college, I went straight to New York. Decided, you know, I wanted to live the city. It always felt really good. Didn't want to do the Hollywood experience right out the back. Didn't feel right. So went out there, started working as an assistant editor and at a music video production. Uh, at, at that time, I also had a camera with me. So I started taking photography as a street photographer. Uh, after, right after that, I rolled into uh, work, uh, working as a photographer for a musician. And we traveled around the world, did the thing. Um, and then that was out of the job. So I became, after that, that was the 2016 election. And I started doing activism and used my photography to, um, used my camera and my photography to help other nonprofits. So not only did I find myself a job in the freelancing world, but I also created my own nonprofit so I could help other, non, uh, other photographers work with nonprofits. So everybody wins. The nonprofits get photography, the photographers get experience. After that kind of rolled out, I kind of understood what my role, actually, my biggest thing was I learned that I was Asian American. I didn't think I was Asian <laughs> until I was like 25. Uh, and this part of the Southern California that I lived in was very white and Hispanic. And this, so the Asian identity didn't come across. So when I came back into that identity, I wanted to understand what it meant to be Japanese and what it meant to be Japanese American, because not only am I fifth generation, but my family was in the camps. And so when I started discovering that history, I decided I need, because I know so much about this camp life now, and it is a part of my history, I need to tell these stories through the mediums that I know. Photography wasn't the thing. It's a, it was a job for me. So going back to the screenwriting roots, it's like, I need to tell these stories through screenwriting and film because we're not going, we don't always go back to our education. We don't go back to school. So I want to teach people through television, film, history, and culture. And I find that very important. Uh, so I came back to LA after that. And now I started in the, going back as a PA and just starting from the ground up and then coronavirus hit. <laughs> so I'm kind of been out of the job for a little bit. But I've since then built um, another nonprofit, another movement called Strong Asian Lead. What we want to do is change the Asian, uh, Asian American landscape in Hollywood because we find that there aren't any, there aren't enough managers and agents for writers. So then there's a barrier for storytellers to tell those stories. You start having to tell stories of other people. 
And the as many of the agents that there are, there are mostly for actors. And so that makes sense on this on-screen representation, but not the behind the screen. So we want to change that that idea and teach other screenwriters how to navigate the industry while teaching managers how to uh, work in that corporate side of things. And so in that sense, we've started doing things like podcasting. So we can not only, like my first podcast is Redress and Lo-Fi, so I can tell uh, Japanese American history while teaching activism. And our second podcast will be talking about the entertainment industry at and through systemic racism and how Hollywood has treated Asian Americans in the media. And that's where I am today. Awesome, man. Well, congratulations on, on all that you've done. I know it's a journey. Um, and, and particularly really excited that you are uh, playing or at least you know paying attention to the same spaces that I'm very passionate with, which is helping people tell the stories of people that look like me and you. Um, certainly, we didn't learn that in school. And so it is our job, uh, not just to teach ourselves, but to teach the next generation about our own unique history, um, particularly in the States. What is the worst career advice you've ever gotten? And why do you not believe that to be relevant or valid for you? I think the worst career advice was never do anything for free. And I find that such a, a capitalism, capitalist idea. Don't do anything for free because you need to get paid to do it, to do the work. But when I started doing activism and nonprofit work, I started to find doing just small free gigs, the, the gigs that also brought me joy, right? So things like uh, doing photography, that was very easy for me. I could shoot it, go out and shoot something in the day, come back at night, edit the photos, send them out, give it to people, right? So if I worked for the NYCLU, uh, the New York Civil Liberties Union, uh, I'd give them the photos and they'd take the photos and use them. So not only was I getting free uh, publicity, just a little bit, not much. I don't really care about that part. But it, my biggest thing was being in contact with the client, right? So I was in contact with NYCLU and they knew me as someone who could do something for me for the greater good. And when what I got in return was then they would come back to give me jobs. They'd find a gig for me because I had done something for free for them. It wasn't something like, I need the money, so give me the money or I won't shoot. It was I hear here's the here's my it's like an internship. Here's the thing that I did for you. It looks good. I put it in on time. It was organized and I was very nice. And they come back and say, "Hey, we have this gig. We want to do this for you and we'll pay you to do it." And that rolled into so many other nonprofits doing the same thing. I went to protest twice a week for that whole year and I'd find new nonprofits, find the organization, give them the photos, and eventually they'd come back and say, "Hey, we have a gig for you. We'll, we'll pay you to do it." And so I almost got inundated with that and had to give him give those jobs out to other photographers. I think it comes down to short term, long term, right? Like, and mm -hmm. and this is not to say there, there's a certain bit of privilege that I think we all have to just admit that comes from the ability to work for free or without immediate pay, right? Because we don't need to eat the next day, or you know, that's at least something that we we don't have to worry about. So, you know, what we're not telling you to do, and what David is not telling you to do, is to, you know work or volunteerism ahead of your survival needs. Take care of that, right? But the, what, what he's actually really talking about is don't be so focused on getting paid immediately, short-term, that you're not building a brand for yourself and you're not building relationships, right? Um, it's unfortunate that the world operates in a way that people, I don't want to say take advantage, but operate under the assumption that people are willing to work for free. But free leads to places, right? Sacrifice leads to places. So um, always keep an open mind. There, there's so many great stories, especially in the creative field, of you know people who start doing free or partnership or barter labor, and then boom, something just comes out of the blue, or you know, um, I wouldn't say out of the blue. It's just the um, you know the effect or the um, 
accumulation of all that work that and the relationships that you've built. Um, let's flip that and then go to the best advice that you've ever heard. I want to jump on that one last thing on that. I, mm-hmm. I see it as investing your time, right? Yes. If you're not investing, you're not getting paid, you're investing your time to come back and it's practice. And so if you're doing something that feels good and you're practicing that thing, you're going to get better. But that's all I'll say there, from there. There might not be financial exchange, but there's always, always value exchange. And so, um, yes. make sure that you're getting some sort of value, whether it is experience or access or, uh, you know, relationships. Now let's do something a little bit more positive and talk about the best advice you've ever gotten and why it is so important for you. Well, in my answer, I had said, you know, don't worry about the photo credit. You know, the biggest thing is not about um, getting the uh, nomination or the the photo credit within your photos. So whether whatever job you might have, it's not about getting the recognition for what it what you did. And I find it more being about the work you're doing between you and the person you're working with. So it's the the relationship between that person because if you're keeping it very strong and um, and cordial, you're able to keep that person coming back. Now, I'm not saying don't let them steamroll you and never come back, uh, never give you any credit. But when something doesn't matter as much like photography, because I just never got anything from a photo credit, um, it doesn't, I don't try to chase those photo credits down. I'm not going to try to get a lawyer to come get your photo credit and get, give me the tag um, as much as that's appreciated, uh, I never got any work from it, but I got more work from not being, not being an asshole, excuse me, of uh, not being someone who comes at you and says, you need to photo credit me, uh, and getting strong emails. And it was very tough. And, and when I found that out, it, was just, it, get, it relieved me of so much stress of having to get those things and it gave me better clients. Excellent. You, you've done a lot. You've, uh, helped a lot of people. And, and so let, let's help people one more time. And given all that you've been through and all that you've experienced, what is one bit of advice that you want to leave to the next generation of creatives and photographers and activists that might come after you? I, you know, I teach this thing in my freelancing consulting, and it's the three Ps, passion, practice, and payment. If you can get two of those, you're really good. If you can get all three, you're golden, right? If you can get payment for something, that's great, but it might not be a job that you like or that you're, uh, that you're already skilled in enough. If you're practicing something and you're getting paid for it, then you're getting practice and payment. It might not be a job that you really enjoy, but you're getting those two things. If you're practicing and getting passion out of it, you're not getting payment, you're doing something that you really love doing and you're getting practice out of it, even if it's not paid. Um, the fourth one I start to add is like uh, purpose. And if you have something, a purpose that you are doing for yourself, um, something like for me is Asian American activism. If I can add that into there, that's more important to me than most things. If you can get, if you pay me and do that purpose and that's shooting for a larger goal, uh, of activism, that's, that's just the best thing you can do. So if you can follow those three to four ideas, when you're looking for jobs, you're going for freelancing, or you're trying to, uh, just apply for a job, think about who you're applying to and why you want that job. Is it just for that practice? Is it just because you love that company? Or is it just because it's payment? Because if you're just going to get paid for something that you don't enjoy doing and you already, you don't need the practice for, you might not enjoy that job and you're going to regret taking that job. Great advice. Two out of the three. It's, if you can get all three, perfect, but uh, go for two out of the three. What is your favorite book that has made the most impact in the way you see the world today? Uh, I have a few books, but the one thing I will, the biggest one that I I'm actually rereading right now is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gil- Elizabeth Gilbert. 
Uh, she talks about how her creative creative life and having a sustainable creative life. She's the writer for Eat, Pray, Love. And what she said was before she made that big book, she had three other books that didn't do very well. And she didn't quit her day job. She stayed on her day job until she got that first publication and then that second publication and then the third and then she quit her job. And the idea was don't worry about um, making that job your job. You, you want to... You want to be able to use that second that your artistic goals as a second job, and you need to spend that extra time doing that. And I see that same thing as if you have a first job, your money maker, then your second job. And a lot of people have that uh, third job, which is life, uh, you know, relationships and doing things. I generally try to take, I take away life a lot of times, and which is not sustainable, and it's you can get into burnout. But having that treating that second job as a second job, up to forty hours a week, which is great, but. Putting time into that is important, and I think that's very valuable. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for spending this time with us today. Love what you do. Uh, you're an extremely amazing and thoughtful member of the communities uh, to which I belong uh, digitally, and it's just really been nice to get to know you um, over, the, over the last few months. I'm really excited to see what comes of Strong Asian Lead. Everywhere you can find David, we will put in the show notes um, what he's working on right now. You can find that strongasianlead.com or roguephoto.org to take a look at his photography business. Um, and again, uh, where you can find him on Instagram, Twitter, and elsewhere, the links will be in the show notes wherever you can connect with him. Best of luck in the journey ahead. Uh, I hope better times are ahead for all of us and looking forward to hanging out in person very soon, David. Thanks again for making time. Thanks so much, Jerry. Love the podcast. <laughs> 